With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. is in the books it is the sunday night slash monday morning pff forecast we're going to look ahead to week six here we have our three questions they were they're better they age like fine wine um we're going to try and answer those we'll talk a little bit about some of the decisions that came up uh particularly on fourth down in week four or sorry week five but uh we're all about moving on to week six i can't remember i can't count at this point that's how hard that's how hard my Sundays are, Eric. I, I just lose my brain function because I work so hard. Luckily, it's not even. We're looking so much forward that we're not even call it Sunday anymore. It's Monday now. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, let's start with. Let's just start with these these three questions here. So the first question that we had going into the week was, which one in three team has the best chance of making something of their season? Colts, Lions, Falcons, and Steelers. So I think you said the Colts and I said the Falcons, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna opt to change my answer. But what would you do? Yeah, I think I'm probably looking more. Uh, you know, even though they were favored, uh, and but they won. I think Houston's now got a shot um, because Jacksonville and Tennessee both went down, um, and they, we we didn't even talk about them last week. Uh, also, I think. Detroit, even though Minnesota won, I think Detroit uh, showed you know their two wins this season are uh, against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So that's a pretty impressive resume uh, if you ignore their three losses. Okay, that's interesting. So I think the answer is the Steelers because the Ravens lost. I have not a ton of faith in the Bengals, who, by the way, the Steelers play next week, and then the Bengals play Kansas City. Um, the following week. So I think Kansas, I think the Steelers uh, would be my answer. Now it's certainly not the Falcons who are going to need a Herculean effort to get back in the, in the swing of things. And the lions look, they were basically gifted that game and almost gave it away. So I don't know. I'm not like super bullish on the Patricia 
train. You're telling me you're telling me you can't bank on the other team missing five kicks. From fumbling twice, like every time that I looked at that game, the the Packers had the ball, and then I'd look back, and the Lions would have the ball in the same spot where the Packers just were, and I kept thinking that the stupid app was malfunctioning. I couldn't. I was in awe. It was really something special. The Texans. So obviously I watched that game pretty closely being that it was Sunday night football. And I got to say, man, Deshaun Watson played as well as I have seen him play. I think Steve tweeted this out, but the stats are, are now a little less cartoonish, but the performance is way better. I mean, the guy is making a lot of accurate throws. He's eluding pressure. He's making smarter decisions. He had one really kind of terribly bad, questionable decision today. But, man, uh, he looks great. I just – I kind of agree with you that um, it, th- their defense is, is such and he plays a brand of football that is such that there's probably a good chance he gets injured and, you know, at some point misses a couple games. So uh, I'm still not super bullish on the Texans, but he has played great. Yeah, I mean, that game was, you know, a comedy of, you know, what what we don't want to see as people who are in, in football analytics. Um, but at the same time, he was, you know, he, he was a shining star. I think Dallas's defense, um, because, you know, when you watch a player like that, you know, he scares the living daylights out of you if you, you know, say have Dallas plus three and a half. Um and yet Dallas's defense, you know, gave up, you know, they gave up what they gave up, right? They had a fourth down stand, you know, near the goal line. They had some interceptions. They got a lot of pressure on him. And so, you know, I think, unfortunately for Dallas, you come out of it, you know, two and three. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, Washington loses tonight, you know, you're still in the thick of it in the NFC East. Um, would have liked to have gotten that one, and I think. Um, but moving forward, their defense is a, is one that I think is to be reckoned with. I agree. Although Byron Jones got worked over by DeAndre Hawkins, best wide receiver in the NFL. We'll talk exactly. more exactly. But like, but the best the best offensive player X gets beaten beats the defensive player Y every time. I think now, right? Given how the the way the rules are. You know, the way the rules are constructed and everything like that, you know, the the end zone uh, pass interference call that he got before Houston had to settle for that field goal. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would have called that pass interference. Um, but of course, it's you know, when you see it in today's NFL, you're like, oh, yeah, there goes the flag kind of thing. Right. I mean, um, it's just tilted towards it. And as you said, uh, Hopkins is probably, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- that that the PI was PI yeah, was a little questionable, but there were plenty of other plays. Okay, that's the one in three teams. The next question we had is uh, if you could redraft the top five, how would it go? Let's see. I think we went uh, Barkley one, uh, Penny two. Yeah, Penny Penny was Penny almost Michael, got an RB win this week. Michael Dixon three. Uh, no, we went Baker one, obviously. I think that stays the same given that he beat the Ravens. Uh, two, I made the case for Rosen, who had a great 75-yard throw. 
You were sticking with Darnold. I think that probably looks better today. You're not switching to Rosen yet, are you? Uh, neither one had more than 50% completion, so I, I could go with the push. I'm sticking with my man, Josh, chosen Rosen. He delivered on a lock of the week, which I desperately needed because yeah. I'm trying to donate some di- you know, some money here, and yep. he finally made that happen. Three would be the other guy in that in that trio or in that duo, I guess I should say. And then four, I was I went with Derwin James. You went with Denzel Ward. I, I don't know if there's really anything worth changing that here. I, I didn't watch a ton of that Chargers game, but uh, Ward, Ward had an interception it. today, but it was kind of on a tip ball. I mean that whole that defensive. I I, I struggle. I haven't rewatched the game. I was following along. I struggled to ask myself if that was Cleveland's defense playing extremely well or Baltimore's offense, Baltimore's offensing. Right. The, the Crabtree drop was just the epitome of that day for, for the Ravens. And then whichever one of those you don't take, I think um, at four, you take at five notorious or uh, obviously not in that group is Barkley who actually had a couple of nice plays today, but, I mean, you draft the running back in the first round so you can lose 33-31. That's what you do. That's why you get him. Bradley Chubb as well. <laughs> made, the, made the difference there. All right, that question ended up not being as exciting for a like week turnaround. It was a good question for Thursday. I mean, all the all the rookie quarterbacks won today. I mean, that's kind that's of right. an interesting. Yeah. The Titans, shockingly, did not show up. I mean, the Titans, the Titans like had that tweet that like came out. Those are my favorites where they're like, they'll like post the screenshot of all the people that pick games for PFF and how we like never pick them. Right. It's like, it's like, okay, but like, be careful because you might lose to the Bills. Yep. That's, uh, that's like when that's... The, there's a reason you're not favored in any of these games. The Bills, a dynasty. All right. Minnesota, Philly. This this was a game here, so I, I think I think the way we we talked about it on Thursday was which which team is this more important for, um, and it was clearly Minnesota because I think they put together more of a complete effort. What was interesting here is the matchup in coaching, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording here, and that is. Philly looks like sort of a different team, and I'm not sure it's all, you know, it's certainly not all Doug Peterson, but some of it has to be, right? I mean, they, they, I don't know, I feel like some of the variance that they had completely going in their favor last season, it isn't going their way this year. I, I, think, I think that's absolutely true. I think one of the things that we chose to focus on, and, and I, and you know, I think we were right to is the fact that the Eagles went for a lot of fourth downs. Even today, we saw that they, you know, they went for two when they on the first touchdown when you're trying to come back from 14. That's great. Like those are great things. Um, but what we were seeing, and we talked about this on a podcast, is like they were, I think, either second or third in terms, or like they were not near the top of the league in making the quote unquote correct decision whether to run or pass on second down. Right. Right. And that put them in a lot of third down situations. And as you said, Wentz was great on third down and long. He was great when pressured a season ago on third and long. Those are things that sort of regress to the mean um, in subsequent years. And that might be why, you know, we don't see necessarily his efficiency as good this year. 
I think you're also having issues with drops with Ertz, you know, Jeffrey coming back from an injury. I think there's a lot of the fumbles by their backs. So I think there's a lot of things. And then we, and then lastly, you know, we harped on this all off season, but coverage matters and they're just as fierce up front as they were a season ago, rushing the passer, maybe, maybe even better with, uh, with Bennett, but they can't cover anybody. And so their defense has suffered for it. It's shocking how that works. Yeah. This was, this was a weird game because the Eagles almost came back and won. And that obviously would have changed the narrative. But a lot of the game was Carson Wentz doing the opposite of what he did last year, which was it's third and 12. And instead of making a miraculous play, it's a nine yard play and they, they punt, you know, whatever it is. And it, it's just really hard to sustain those things that are hard to do that are very unstable. So I think some of this should have been expected. Plus the whole Wentz coming off an injury thing that certainly can play a huge part of it. And he was a guy that had played two years in the NFL. So to say that he was going to all of a sudden return to um, that MVP form is sort of naive. Let's stick with the coaching thing though. So there were some interesting fourth down calls this week. What, what is, what was your least favorite one of the entire week? Oh, I think it's obviously, you know, Dallas uh, deciding to, to punt the ball on fourth and one uh, behind by three. I mean, sorry, uh, tied in overtime with uh, Houston um, at Houston's 42. It just seems Freudian slip there. Yeah, it just it just seems like everything, you know, and and this is instructive. Right. So Frank Reich, everybody's you know, everybody gave him flack. But the thing, the same thing happened in the exact same. Actually, in fact, Dallas had a better opportunity to get a first down statistically than than Indianapolis. But in both cases, you know, the same thing happened. You're, you're playing a defense playing their fourth and a half quarter of a game, right? Trying to trying to stop an offense in a league designed for offense is not going to get the job done, whether they're 30 yards away from a field goal or in the case of the, the the Texans, 80 yards away from a field goal, right? It's just, it just doesn't make sense. The ball is worth nine-tenths of the law, you know? The Reich play, you know, we, we you know, our model would have them with a 63% chance of converting that fourth down, so fourth and four, right? And that ends up making the everything work out. You know, it's the right play for Reich. The, the Garrett one is like not even a question though, really, which <laughs> poor guy. So this is to add insult to injury here the the team that has been the most successful percentage wise in terms of fourth and ones since 2016 is, of course, the Dallas Cowboys. And they're the team that manages not to not to go for it there. Uh, <laughs> a really bad decision. Basically, going for it there increases just the the act of going for it versus kicking it increases your chance of winning by twelve percent. So, I mean, if you're a Houston Texans fan and Dallas trots out their punter, are you are you relieved? You're a thousand percent. Right? I mean, that's that's a really good way to think about it. I think, and 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 you know, and it just doesn't. I mean, 
are you do you think you can stop Zeke on a on a one yard carry? Despite all the things that Dallas has struggled with, I would say you do not feel comfortable doing that. And you're punting away to a top ten offense. Yeah. Right. An offense with an offense that, you know, has only can only get in its its own way, it would appear. The 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 interesting thing about the overtime with how short it is and everything now is that getting the ball first. So everyone, you know, you watch the coin flip and the team that wins, you know, they immediately do the the receiving motion. Right. Which also sort of looks like a weird dance move that like a freshman guy that's not very popular does like it's just pretty bad. And, uh, you know, as if they're you know about to win the game, so you're going to march down. But it's no longer like that because kicking the field goal doesn't actually win you the game. And so now you put this huge amount of you put this huge burden on yourself, which is okay. We've got to like try and score this touchdown, and you go out there, and when you punt it away, all of a sudden, the other team has this situation that is like the over old overtime rules, where a, a field goal all of a sudden wins it for you, and it's like this huge exhale for that other team and all of a sudden your you know the team that just punted is like oh crap (laughs) we could be really screwed here and we've seen that so far this year where receiving the ball has meant next to nothing because unless you score a touchdown it really doesn't mean a whole lot you kick a field goal yippee-ki-yay like that's great all the other team has to do is kick a field goal to make sure they don't lose and that is the ability to kick a field goal and, and feel a sigh of relief versus kick a field goal and be like, oh, crap, is huge. And I think that plays with teams, and that's no excuse for Garrett, obviously, who hemorrhaged – hemorrhaging 12% of win probability on a simple decision is ridiculous. Well, like absurd. Like and most I think fourth, – Most fourth down decisions – sorry. Most fourth down decisions, even the really big ones that are not at the end of the game – are like five, six percentage points at most. So 12% is just egregiously terrible. Well, and I think what's interesting about overtime is it's a lot like play action, right? So we talk about how oh, running, no analytical edging, no. running running, the ball doesn't affect play action, but the way that folks have been raised, you know, is such that play action still causes people to bite, right? Um I think the way that overtime has always been still causes, I think, coaches and players to play for a field goal, you know, like just instinctively. And I think the other thing is that near the end of a game, that's also how they're playing. Right. So Dallas and and Houston are playing the whole, let's say, last seven and a half minutes of the fourth quarter thinking, OK, the first team to get the, the kick a three pointer here is going to win. Right. Then. They do this coin flip thing. This team gets the ball. They're like, oh, great. Okay. All right. So because, like, why not take a deep shot downfield? Well, all we need is a field goal. Well, it's actually – well, no. Actually, if you get the ball first, like, the burden is on you to score a touchdown. And and from what I've watched, and it seems like all of the games we pick go into overtime. So from what I can, I, what I can see, there's just simply not that sense of urgency, right? And, and even if the team is successful and kicks a field goal – um, first, They're not, that's not successful. Yeah. Exa- well, yeah. From the, from the perspective of, from the perspective of actually winning the game, you just add a sense of urgency to the other team, you know? And, and I, it, to me, it's just an interesting thing about how we anchor, right. 
and and I think a lot of the football is being unanchored, right? So we're seeing a lot more runs on first down than normal. We're seeing a lot more analytical thinking by some teams. This is something I think is going to take a little bit longer to sort of shake. Not, not great. Credit, though, in that same game, Bill O'Brien went for it on fourth and goal. At the end of the half, that was the right decision. Actually, that made it on the broadcast, which is pretty cool. Um, yep. Um, so, that I mean, that was I, – I felt good because I <laughs> – obviously, like, I was shouting about it. And most, most of the time, like, oh, the crazy man. Crazy man in the corner who yells about fourth downs is yelling again. But this one made a ton of sense, and uh, it was undeniable there. So good for Bob. Uh, the last one, and we'll move on to week six because I opened <laughs> I opened the show by saying we're going to move on to week six, and we haven't done that yet. But the fourth down that McVeigh went for at the end of the game, there a lot of teams punt that away, like a ton of teams. Right, McVeigh punted, punted that away last week. Exactly, that's a good point. And he learned from his mistake that. That play was, again, a huge swing in their favor. That was a 13.5% jump in terms of win probability for them. Uh, Basically, obviously, if you get it, the game is over. There's a small chance that you don't get it, in which case you can lose the game potentially. But, uh, you know, you (laughs) you have to be able to get one yard one way or another. And so it was the right decision mathematically. So good for him. Yeah, that was, I mean, I think it, it looked as though Jared Goff, like, convinced him to do it. Um, but I also think, like, seeing Kirk Cousins complete a few passes on that last drive on last Thursday night might have also contributed to uh, his thought process. I would, I would think so. Okay, let's move on to week six. Thank God. I'm going to say this every week. I just can't. Got to get to the next week. At some point, we'll get to the Super Bowl. It'll be great, and uh, we can leave it there. All right, Thursday night, Philly minus three at the New York Giants. This one, I'm not surprised, uh, is a little bit shorter than what our ELO numbers would have it. But here's my question to you. Do you actually feel as though this is a good opportunity to take the Eagles? No, (laughs) right. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're more closer to a touchdown here. I think it's because the Giants, I think that their comeback. Well, let's talk about the Giants for a quick second. I think their comeback against Carolina was more fluky than anything. Um, You know, uh, they had some big plays where they normally don't have big plays. They had a, you know, Odell Beckham throw a touchdown, um, all of that kind of stuff. I think Carolina you know, Cam threw like a few interceptions that I don't think, you know, most quarterbacks throw. And so I think that the market is overvaluing, again, uh, overcompensating for whatever the Giants do. And then, of course, there's Philadelphia. Yes, this is another interesting one where the matchup is good for Philly because the the Giants O-line should be overmatched quite a bit. I think this is still probably a little short, but maybe not tremendously short maybe a point or two but uh i don't know i'm not running to it like i was last thursday's game all right uh what's what's the next one you want to talk about uh let's talk about indianapolis at new york new york currently and new york giant or new york jets uh currently installed as a three-point favorite um our model says that what happened the last week has been worth 
has made this game go from a minus two to a minus three, three and a half. So this last week, people, uh, are they overreacting to the Jets, overreacting to Indianapolis and their like sort of mash unit injury fest? But, you know, I think respectable outing against the Patriots. So my note to myself after watching the Thursday night game was don't forget that the Colts are actually a, a, a decent team. I was sort of hoping that uh, that exactly what happened this weekend would happen, which is the Jets would beat a Broncos team on the road in which I had zero faith, literally zero faith. I, that game was over. To say that I believed the Jets were going to win that game before it started saying something, because I never think that. But they did, and now they went from, I guess, a look-ahead line of like minus one to now being minus three. And I like that quite a bit. I, I don't know why. I just get suckered into always betting the Colts. Uh, yeah, I think that the time off should help them. Hopefully, T.Y. Hilton plays. We'll probably get a little bit more information about that. I think the Jets won in a very unsustainable way against Keenum uh, and the Denver Broncos by running for like 250 yards or whatever uh, whatever uh, Isaiah Crowell had. And then also Robbie Anderson had two deep. Like, so Darnold threw two really good deep passes uh, to, to Robbie Anderson. I don't necessarily think that repeats. Um, so, yeah, I like I like Indianapolis here, even on the road. Yes, I, I'm not as phased about Indy going on the road. Okay, let's talk about the Rams' road favorite. They did not, <laughs> they did not cover today against the Seahawks as a seven-point favorite. In fact, that went up to seven and a half, I think, before kickoff. So in Denver, Denver comes home weak and weary, but they get the refreshing, uh, you know, high altitude air that powers them. And the Rams have to go in there as a seven point favorite. This, again, seems mighty high to me, but maybe this is now the time that the Rams decide to, to show up defensively. Yeah, our model says it should be a little less than seven, but not I, I wouldn't say significantly less than seven. So it'd be interesting to see if once we put our full sort of data set in there, whether we'll have this as a pick. I think Denver, you know, we're starting to get into the part of the year, like week six last year was sort of our infamous pick Denver minus 12 against the Giants, right? And then that's from that's when literally everything fell off the, the wagon for the – for. I don't think Denver – I don't think Denver won maybe more than like one more time the rest of the year. And so I think that like the whole early season Denver nonsense sort of starts to fade away here. Um, but as mm. you said, one as you, if right, as you said, though, um, can the Rams cover anybody? I mean, the Denver Cortland Sutton's halfway decent. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is good. And Demarius Thomas has been a player in this league for a long time. So, um, you know, Keenum will, th- my guess will throw a lot them a lot of YOLO balls. So it could be a lot like this week in, in Seattle where the Rams are just in a, you know, in a fight the whole time and it's going to be a grind to see whether or not it, you know, they cover. Yes. I, I agree with you there. I kind of like Denver again. I'm not subscribing to your week six, is the cutoff thing. Just not. I'm just guessing. Yeah. I'm not going to go with it. Um, okay. You get to pick the next one. Uh, so he, here's one. Um, what about Jacksonville laying a point and a half at Dallas? Ah, oh, man, it's hard. 
it's hard for me to pick either one of these teams after watching them this week and really watching Dallas all season. Dak has just not looked like a quarterback that you sort of ever want to bet on. And that Jacksonville defense, I think, pretty wounded. <laughs> pretty wounded by what Mahomes did to them. Here's the thing. If you said, okay, here's the Kansas City offense. What's the polar opposite of this Kansas City <laughs> offense? Right. It is <laughs> the Dallas, Dallas offense. Boys. So, so I, I, guess I, I guess I feel like one and a half isn't too terrible. What do you think? Yeah, so after this week, we actually, I think we'd have this more of a pick em. Um, but I don't know. I, for me, the only, the only angle I could see this as being a play for Dallas would be, is that both defenses are very good. Dallas is at home and there's one place where the Jacksonville defense struggles and that's stopping the run. And, and, but since I don't think running matters that much, I'm not going to play that angle. I was going to say we've turned over a new leaf. I mean, so, but cause you know, there, there's a significant chance that Dallas doesn't score a touchdown in this game. Um, but Jacksonville, Jacksonville can go from A to Z on offense. And, you know, Jacksonville could give Dallas a touchdown or two, just like they did to Kansas City this last week um, because Bortles is, is who he is, right? So it's just a weird – I think having this game as a pick is probably appropriate. Yeah, I don't hate it. Okay, what about – what about Arizona at Minnesota? And uh, at the moment, it's a minus 10.5. Minnesota obviously favored by 10.5. Perhaps this is me not having watched the Chosen One a ton. The Rosen week. One. Yeah, truly he is Rosen. The But 10.5 seems like a lot. Arizona or Minnesota comes off this huge win in Philly, must win. You know, I, I don't know. Arizona, they're playing indoors in Minnesota. Ten and a half is a lot of points. Uh, yeah, this this is lining up like the Buffalo game, I think, where people, you know, Minnesota has a has a one and a half decent perform, literally one and a half decent performances. Um, you know, and then people are rushing to back them, saying, you know, they're going to narrative it out with Zimmer against the spread and. And, you know, look at how bad Arizona is, all this kind of stuff. The Arizona's offense was every bit as bad as it normally was this week. Take away the deep touchdown to Christian Kirk. Welcome to the resistance um, uh, from Arizona, the first play of the game. Um, however, Arizona's defense, I think, you know, is actually a decent outfit. I think that they, you know, Hassan Reddick got into the action today or yesterday. He played extremely well. Chandler Jones is a menace, uh, you know, at rushing the passer. San Francisco has a better offensive line than Minnesota. Kirk Cousins doesn't feel pressure as well as he might, you know, he, he should. And they have a good cornerback in Patrick Peterson. They play a zone scheme, which probably would not leave their guys as vulnerable to the Thielen and Diggs as, you know, Philadelphia was. That being said, I don't know, man. I, Arizona's – it's gonna be rough. Yeah, it'd be rough. It'd be a sweat, I think, to back them. Don't, don't, uh, don't doubt. Doubting Thomas never works out. All right, uh, you pick again. Okay, so let's let's go with Kansas City at New England. Your you game. Wanna, you're gonna th- 
throw that in there now. It's going to close out with that one, but okay. Let's maybe well, we'll no, because because the one on the, I like the one on Monday night actually too. So let's go with. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so New England right now favored by three. I think that's. I can't imagine anyone that was guessing this line going with anything other than three. So here's the question: Are should these teams be equal teams on a neutral field? Yeah. So. The the only question I have, yeah, the question I have for you, to, because I have my answer to this, how much better is New England's defense than Kansas City's defense? Ooh. I guess that's really where it comes down to it. I, look, in, in New England, probably a decent bit better, right? Yeah, I mean the the thing that Kansas City has as an advantage over the over New England actually is the fact that they can rush the passer pretty well. So Chris Jones and D Ford have been terrific this year. I think D Ford has something like twenty five pressures already. Yeah. Um, Chris Jones is a menace. Justin Houston has a hamstring injury, so you have to look at that. But their 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 defense has some redeemable pieces. I because when I look at everything else, I look at the coaches. And I think Andy Reid's in the same equivalence class on a play-for-play basis as Bill Belichick. You know that collection there. I, 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 I don't. I don't think he's better. I think he's in the same cluster, though. I agree with you. And then I, offensively, I think Kansas City's better. Well, this this was where I was going to go with it, which is: is Kansas City's offense for sure? better than New England's because I I actually I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think New England's offense is you know, it's it's never what it was the week before. New England's offense is always what New England's offense is against that particular defense. And if there was a defense that was going to get roasted and shredded by New England, it is Kansas City. How many times do you think they're going to target the Kansas City linebackers? Oh, I, I have no doubt that they're going to yeah, they Reggie Ragland and, and Anthony Hitchens for sure. They, we, he will be run Ragland. Okay, that's a that, me. That was a. Did you just did Did you just have kids? That's a dad joke. I need. I need. Uh, look, I'm going to blame it on the fact that I've just had an incredibly hard weekend as I do every weekend, all the traveling, uh, yeah. I'm very road weary. So <laughs> my point stands though. I, I actually don't think the gap between these two offenses is that huge. You're never going to convince me that, that, um, Tom Brady is the worst quarterback in a, in a situation. And with Gordon now being there for a couple weeks, Edelman in his second week, if Gronk is, you know, 80%, which is basically 100% for him. I, I just, I, I think they have the better uh, supporting cast. What if, okay, so here's a good question. If Gronk's at 80% of his full health, is he better than Travis Kelsey in the passing game? Boog. We go now to Boog, Booger, <laughs> in his high chair. Um, Look, I, yes, I think Gronk is better than Travis Kelsey. I love Travis Kelsey, but I think Gronk is better. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's it's so the, for the first time, I think, in 
like if you look at Kansas City versus New England and all the times they've played recently, it for the first time in the in the series, you're making a lot of projections about the Patriots and not as many about the Chiefs. I disagree. Okay, because because from where I sit, and I I'm obviously I'm a Chiefs you're, fan. You're but, literally you're sitting on a throne of Chiefs gear. Oh, right. Like like Tyree Kill has been one of the best deep threat and yards after the catch wide receivers in the NFL for two years. Travis Kelsey's been a step below, but almost in the same cluster as Gronk for five years. Their offensive line is pretty damn good. And and the only thing the only the only projection you're making is Mahomes, but Mahomes has, you know, performed under a bunch of different circumstances so far this year. Whereas with New England, you're talking about Edelman coming back off an injury. You're talking about Gordon assimilating into the offense. You're talking about Gronk's health. And then were they, which were they not they're using? Were they not all good last week? Edelman wasn't very good, right? Like so, we we he dropped that one deep pass, which 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 hurt a little bit. And then I think Gordon Gordon played 18 snaps. So it to me that's the only difference. Like, I like the I like the number at three. I think we'd probably have it somewhere near there. But I'm just wondering, like when we think about this game, those are all interesting things to talk about, right? I mean, it's what makes the game great. And I'm glad it's on Sunday night. You're a hater, what you are right now. I mean, uh, you you think that Tom Brady is the worst quarterback in this matchup? <laughs> that, that is that is not true. I will say Pat Mahomes has played better first. than he has this year, but oh, he's not is. the better quarterback. There it is. It's squeaking out. Eric Eager thinks Tom Brady is worse than Patrick Mahomes. I think we have to close out the show with that. Let's let's do this. Pick the uh, game that you think has the most value. Uh, well, I'll say this. I think this line, I actually do think it moves a little bit towards New England. I think it gets to three and a half. Okay. Bold? Think it stays at three? Uh, I think, I think it'll be three minus one twenty. That's and, uh, and anytime it gets to three and a half, people will bet on the chiefs. That's, that's true. It, it, maybe you'll be able to find a three and a half at some point this week for a fleeting moment. Yeah. But I think three minus one twenty is just as good a bet. Um, all right. Your favorite game at the moment. This is one we didn't talk about. I like Oakland plus three at home against Seattle. Ooh. I don't hate it. Um, I don't hate it. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not super stoked on Seattle at the moment because I think we would have liked to see this performance a few weeks ago. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Um, I like that one. Here's <laughs> here's here's one that I like. Buffalo at Houston. I was getting. Just- Getting nine. So I think that I think that nine is too high. Nine could also be the number of times that Josh Allen is sacked, but nine seems still, regardless of that, too high in terms of the winning margin of victory. This game for Houston was very hard. They have now played two uh back to back. Has to be two if it's back to back, but back to back overtime games. And Watson got the snot kicked out of them in this game. 
he may have some sort of like cracked rib for all we know. He had his sternum checked like eight times in that game. Um, and Buffalo has some guys that can cover. So I do think it sets up well for them. And the rush of, the passer. The, yeah. The issue, of course, is that they just won a game. So <laughs> we're due. So, the, so I that. can totally see. So I, I only see two outcomes to this game. I see Houston winning like 30 to nothing, or I see the same thing happening to the Vikings that the earth to Houston that happened to the Vikings where they have no chance of like, you know, Jerry Hughes has like 15 pressures and Watson, you know, we're all like, Oh, look how impressive Watson was on Sunday night. How the tables have turned today. You know what I'm saying? Like he just has those games where he fumbles four times or throws a few picks and then Buffalo's in this game. Uh, possibly wins it. So I, I like that one too. I think our numbers are going to probably like Buffalo. So we're going to split that one out. Too. I, I just think that, um, that Watson is going to play, but he's probably going to play pretty hurt. And so I think they will try and win that game without doing too much. And, you know, that's exactly what you're looking for in terms of finding some value. I, I think I like that one more. Then I do Arizona at Minnesota just because of the discrepancy, um, but uh, but it is close. All right, let's let's cap it there. We will have our official look ahead video on Tuesday once uh, we run everything in a final in a, in a more final state through all the models. You want to check that that out? You'll find it on the PFF YouTube channel. Um, in the meantime, you know, hopefully you can get some rest like I need to because I can't count. And I made a joke about Reggie Ragland getting run ragged. It happens. It, and so does Reggie Ragland getting run ragged. So it happens. So there you go. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Peace out.